You're listening to the Matchday FM podcast. everyone and thank you very much for joining us on the latest episode of Prem Talk brought to you by Matchday FM. I'm Chris Coffin, your host for this week's episode and I'm joined by the Right Honourable Lord Chris Stott. How are you? So I was going to say Lord Stott there but I had to add in Chris <laughs> Stott. How are you? I am good mate. Yourself? Not too bad. Busy as ever but uh, of course fitting in the time to talk about the the game we love um and i'll just a quick roundup of the of some of the uh, game week 28 results it was a not a great start for life at leeds for jesse marsh they lost one ill at leicester then there were big wins for aston villa and chelsea crucial wins for newcastle and brentford uh crystal palace also got a, a good win at wolves before liverpool picked up an important three points against west ham and then the winners on sunday were arsenal away to watford and Manchester City at home to Manchester United before a thumping 5-0 win for Spurs over Everton on the Monday. And uh, we're going back to the Sunday because the Manchester derby is the place to start when you look at last week's uh, fixtures. Um, Chris, Manchester United had actually won four of their last five games at the Etihad um, going into this. Um, And a lot of people, of course, they say form goes out the window with derbies. Uh, it didn't on this occasion, did it? Uh, what What were your uh, thoughts overall for the game? Um, the PG if version. If you can put them into words. Yeah, the PG <laughs> version is, I mean, to be fair, I'll, I'll say for the first half hour, maybe to the first half, I think we were in the game and we caused City one or two problems. Obviously got the goal, um, but it, it's too... Soft-ish goals. I don't think they are horrific goals to concede, but they're not great goals to concede. It's, you know, City do that to, to most teams, cut, cut them to ribbons. So, I mean, I'll cut them a little bit of slack there, but it was more the efforts off the ball for those two goals, which were disappointing rather than the actual defending. Um, like I said, I, th- I thought uh, Sancho took his goal really well. He looked the brightest player we had um obviously we tried very unique um approach with two center mids playing four, two, center two, forwards two. yeah but <laughs> without the two yeah. really because it, it was basically a, a, a midfield six in essence really wasn't it which to prefer i think caught city off guard and he took him the first half to work it out and then pep being a genius he worked it out didn't he and then second half city got the third goal and then I think realistically they took the foot off the gas because they won't say it again. It's a similar story to when they won 2-0 at Old Trafford. There was another three or four goals that they wanted him, in all honesty, for me. Um, once he went to 3-1, as Gary Neville was saying um, on, on, on Sky, United gave up. And thankfully for them, City were in, weren't in any real mood to to waste any energy. And I think that's spurred them a, a bigger humiliation. I mean, 4-1's bad enough, but it was 4-1 at a canter, really, for City, who um, at moments in the game were fantastic. You've got to say that. Um, but I've seen them play better, a lot, lot better. Um, 
De Bruyne was fantastic. Um, got to say that. Mares took the third goal superbly. But, I mean, the ball's travelled a long way, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah and... that, 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 those volleys from the edge of the box, that, 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 that's what I think. The ball's yeah. travelled that far. I, if, if you can get the technique right, fair enough, but you can't let it travel that yeah, far. Yeah, and I, I think the, the only ones where you can sort of negate that um, that thought is, for example, when Skulls did that one against um, Villa. Villa oh, Brown, to be yeah, to be fair, you can pick here and there. Word the ball, he's pinged to him. He's not floated to him, he's pinged to him. Tamara's, it's just, it's just clipped, it's floated. It's a slow ball. It's taken an age to get there. And yeah, by all means, unbelievable technique on the half volley to score the goal. But yeah, that got to be in his face there. Um, yeah, it's too passive. Um, and it, I think. It just goes to show there's too many passengers in that team now. Um, yeah. I just, I think the rebuild job now that's got to come off the base of that where City have taken the foot off the gas and not really been in full throttle at any point in the game have comfortably beaten us, beating United. It just shows how far behind and how big the gap is, which is scary, really. I mean, it, it's been talked about a fair bit, hasn't it, about how far United are behind the likes of Liverpool and Manchester City. But this has been probably... It might have changed a little bit since Solskjaer left. I, I think that's possibly a fair statement. But listening to, to Keane and Schmeichel over the weekend, it felt like the first time that pundits and former Manchester United players were being blunt about the situation. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, everybody apart from Keane has been blunt since day one, to be fair. Um, but, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, to be honest, I think what you said about being better than Solskjaer, I think, obviously, the results suggest that maybe. But if you watch the football, no. Nah. Oh, oh, no. All right. no. I mean, I went to the to the Watford game, nil-nil. Um, I mean, we could still be playing now. It's still be nil-nil. Um, <laughs> Watford probably had the best chance in the last kick of game. Um, and yeah, I, I just under Solskjaer, you just thought that there was something there. There was just there was flashes, and you always thought they they could play some really good stuff. I'm not getting that at the minute. I think it's just yeah, it's not enjoyable to watch under under all the evening we were getting like for example when we got beat by Spurs six one. We we still play some half decent stuff in that game, um, and had chances. We just we're just poor now. We just don't play good yeah. football. I mean, I don't think that is. It obviously is partly Ranić um, in his style, but I you know we we've seen Leipzig play enough when Ranić was there and implemented his style to know that that type of football works and can be very entertaining. Southampton basically play it. Um, that's the style I very much like. Um, it's just clear that the players are not buying into it and don't want to play it. And I think, honestly, I was thinking to myself the other night, um, if I could just have a blank canvas or a blank checkbook and rip up the squad, start again, how many of this lot would I keep? The answer's not very many. Not very many at that, all. That That is very interesting. Um, 
And did you hear the the conversation between Mika Richards and uh, and Gary Neville after the game as well? And Mika Richards was basically making the point of, again, he's going to be in this consultancy role, isn't he, Vranjik? But I, I think a lot of people, when he was appointed, thought, right, this guy has been linked with pretty much every vacant, every half decent vacancy for a good few years now, and no one's really taken him on. And the reason is because he's not a first team coach. He's someone that works very well in his job back behind the scenes. But for a club as big as Manchester United to then say, right, you can coach us for six months, then go into the consultancy role. That's where I think some of the confusion is now coming in. Because when you consider that people are saying that the Klopp learned from him, will learn from him, you know, it, it, it's not really coming across in United style of play because certainly the press, there's, there's real confusion about how they're meant to press, when they're meant to press. And it, it's funny that you mentioned about the uh, with, you know, players that you'd keep and, and, and sell. One, there's been a lot of talk recently that I've I've seen. Um, Paul Merson's commented on it as well about Marcus Rashford. Now, he's a striker, and United didn't go into the game at the weekend with a striker. Um, Paul Merson said it'd be ludicrous to even consider selling Marcus Rashford, even though he is going through a tough period. I checked earlier on today. He's 24 years old. There's players that have hit their peak far later than that as well. I'm not at all suggesting Marcus Rashford is in his peak. But it's not going particularly well for him at the moment. When you consider Ronaldo, Ronaldo, for whatever reason, wasn't in the squad. Neither was Cavani. Um, Marcus Rashford, it's strange to kind of pinpoint on him now. But does he have to make a decision about this? Because surely, you know, he's a, he's a Manchester lad. Remember his goal that won the Manchester derby all those years ago when he burst on the scene in such brilliant form. He's got to make a decision now, hasn't he? Because if he's not starting in games like this, where we all thought he was going to be potentially this this wonder kid, this one of the golden child of England's generation, what 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 is next for Marcus Rashford? I think it's a difficult one with Rashford. I appreciate that's a very big question. Yeah, I think it, <laughs> and I, I think it is one word. There's not a concrete answer because I think there's a lot of variables at play. Um, he's obviously had bad luck with injuries and not really been able to go a full season without missing two or three months for the last three years, really, has he? No. Um, then he's obviously had a lot going on off the field, um, which um, obviously it was great what he was doing, fair play to him. I just don't know whether that has impacted him because a lot of people commenting saying he should stick to his football. And as soon as his football turned, that just grew. And I think that would have been difficult. And you can't forget, the lad missed probably probably the penalty that lost us the Euros because it changed the momentum for me. Um, And he's not been able to bounce back the same way Saka has, for example. Um, and I think that's been difficult for him. And then, obviously, he's now in a situation where Randy, for whatever reason, clearly don't fancy him because, I mean, his performances it, haven't it, warranted that. It, it, it's sad in a way, isn't it? Because he, when, when he, and he did burst on the scene, this incredible young striker back in uh, 2016, he started as a forward. In that time, United then bought Ronaldo, Cavani, Ibrahimovic, Lukaku. He's not been able to mature into a striker. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and he's still sort of flitting between the two, isn't he? He always seems to only play up front when there's nobody else. But because yeah. he's not played up front, I'm not scoring the goals and having to play the, in the channel. Because the thing is, as well, he's not even able to play up front for England because 
certain Harry Kane is is yeah. a, a boring in that pecking order. So I, I do have sympathy for him. I think he would be one of the ones I would keep, incidentally, because I I think once he gets his head right and he's playing under a manager who wants him to play as well, I think we could get back to, to the Marcus Rashford of old. I really do think that. Um, but I would say if it's not materialised in the next 12, 18 months, then maybe Manchester United isn't his, his club um, going forward. And, and maybe I've, I've seen him linked with Newcastle and Paris Saint-Germain, for example. Um, he would thrive in France, let's face it. Anybody, any good thrives in France. Um, and I think Newcastle would be a good fit for him if he did want to move as well. He has options. I would like him to stay, despite the fact that I, I have been critical of him in this season, I'm not going to lie. But that's because I want him to do well. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a difficult situation. But I think in general, obviously, I don't like the way the players have performed, um, you know, in terms of the way they've played, as well as their attitude at times, a lot of them. But I do have a degree of sympathy in the fact that it's difficult to raise your game for a man who's not going to be coaching you for very much longer. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's why I think the point you was saying before about Randy coming in as a as a as the coach and then moving upstairs. In hindsight, I think it's clear it was the wrong call. They may as well just kept Carrick in for for interim, and I'd bring yeah. Randy Kane upstairs then, so he, he's there. But then he would have been a scenario if Carrick did well, he'd have just stayed on. So they they just got themselves into a, a muddle. Yeah. Um, a lot, well, let's face it, a long, long time ago, the, the day after Ferguson left, that's when they got themselves into a model and they've not got themselves out of it. Um, yeah. How would you solve a problem like United? Christ knows. That is a very good question. Um, you know, I'm, I'm aware we haven't really talked about the team that won the game uh, very much, but just, just very, very quickly, last on United. That, that whole day, really, with Arsenal winning as well. Now, a point behind United, sorry, a point behind Arsenal, rather, with Arsenal having played three games less, that's a problem in itself for United, isn't it, in terms of finishing in the top four? Well, I said on the last podcast, uh, Sam asked me who finishes top four, and I said within half a second, Arsenal. Yeah. And I'm not, not going to change that. It feels more confident, doesn't it? Yeah, I think they're in a great position. Like you say, they've played three more than both United and West Ham played less than Spurs, less than Wolves as well. They're in a great, great position. Um, yeah. I think Chelsea will be looking over the shoulder potentially at them. Um, they're winning games, which in previous seasons they would have lost. They would have lost that last season against Watford. As soon as um, Kukov scores that great goal, by the way, um, then Arsenal usually go on to lose that game. But they're playing some brilliant football. Saka and Odegaard were outstanding. Um, and we're just not seeing that football from United. Um, no. And you just get a feeling that Arsenal will will win the games they're supposed to win now, um, yeah. whereas United in recent weeks haven't. So, um, yeah, I, I think Arsenal are in pole position. United have a lot to catch up on. In theory, they could be out of it by the time Arsenal catch up on their fixtures. Absolutely. Um, on City, when they lost against Spurs... A few possibly predicted a bit of a wobble. Some maybe hoped 
for a bit of a wobble. Um, but it's been anything since, hasn't it? They only conceded one goal. It was that great goal from, from Sancho. It's the goal they've conceded. But they it almost seems to give them a bit of a kick, doesn't it? Because before that, they did. Um, obviously, there was the draw against Southampton, then the defeat against Spurs. But it's almost given them a bit of a kick in a way to say, you, know, you might have had a 12-point lead now, but uh, it's very much race on and get your heads on. Yeah, the uh, Spurs poked the bird, didn't they? And uh, and walk they them did. off. It's it's very dangerous to poke Man City, but uh, they didn't play well at good. They didn't play well at Goodison, it has to be said. And of course, the whole Rodri fiasco. Yeah. But that was the performance they needed in terms of a bit of a demolition job. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, they flex the muscles again, uh, which which they can do. Um, Grealish is starting to perform as well, which is big for them. Um, because let, let's face it, he hasn't looked anything like a £100 million player this season. Um, and the fact that Raheem Sterling, who's having another good season, um, didn't play. Um, Foden looked sharp playing in that false nine position. Yeah, they're just very good, aren't they? I don't think you can really say anything more than that. Um, but, I mean, I'm just flicking through their fixtures now. They have once it could be potential banana skins. Obviously, they've already lost to Palace. They've got to go there. Um, Burnley can be awkward, but then again, City usually smash um, Burnley. Then they've obviously got the Liverpool guy. Wolves away from home. They'll blast Watford. But then last two games, they've got to go to... Last couple of games, they've got to go to Leeds, for example. Um, So... There's a couple of games where you could see them dropping points if they're not quite at it. But if they're anything like at it, they win every game. Um, yeah. Other than possibly the Liverpool game, which could be a, an epic, obviously. But yeah, it's... Other than that Liverpool game, could I realistically see them dropping points? No. But you never know with some of those, fi- those fixtures because... They can be awkward, awkward ones. It's not like I don't think they've got any gimmies. Um, so yeah, but they're they're starting to look at, again like a like a side that could just go on a run like they usually do. So do you therefore see a season where both Liverpool and City get into the ninety point barrier again? And we are talking about potentially that game at the Etihad on the scheduled tenth of April. Um, as uh, as the game, yeah. Well, just looking at it, City can get ninety nine points, can't they? Uh, yeah, so if if yeah if, if if they win all their games, including that game against Liverpool, uh, ninety nine is and, the one uh, they can get to. Yeah, you can get both to ninety six. Te- yeah, both teams can finish from ninety six. Yeah, I mean, basically, and and the goal difference, there's one in it. Yeah, I think it, genuinely, I would not be surprised if it was that tight if Liverpool got the result and it's a case of who scores more goals and City could put four or five past anybody. So as can Liverpool, think, to be yeah. fair. If, if it goes to goal difference, it sounds silly with Liverpool having the better goal difference right now, but if it goes to goal difference, I think you have to favour City. Yeah, it just I looks think. more... It looks more effortless for them to score goals because you just expect them to score four or five every home game. How but, well put. Yeah, <laughs> that's very well. But I've never. Well, then never again, that I'm going to completely contradict myself. Liverpool have the better strikers, <laughs> so it's that. That's just how it is. Um, but I would also say, 
Liverpool will concede more goals in the running than City. City, yeah, probably Liverpool's won't. running. Liverpool's running is more difficult. Yeah, and I, I've, I've, I've compared the two. I think even if they played exactly the same same teams, I would still say Liverpool would concede one or two more goals. I just think you can get at them a bit more. Whereas City, let's say Sancho's goal is a really well taken goal. If they've conceded eighteen this season. I reckon if you watched all 18 of them, you'd struggle to find many that were avoidable. Three of them yeah. came against Spurs, which most of them have counter-attacks. I guess probably yeah. one of the best counter-attacking teams in the league. Yeah. Two, so, two, two of them were in the reverse game at Anfield. You can just you can go, you can go on and on, can't you? Yeah, so straight away, but, uh, there's, there's five, five, five or six goals there. Three against, uh, two against Palace, wasn't it, as well? Yeah. The kicking clean sheets. So, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. As a neutral, it's fascinating. As a Manchester United neutral, it's um, horrific. But, yeah. <laughs> You're listening to Matchday FM. did look at one stage. We'd maybe have four teams battling it out for uh, for Champions League places on the final day. Obviously, Chester. Sorry, yeah, Chelsea. Chelsea, Leicester, oh. Manchester United. That again. That's yeah. going in a sting. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool, Liverpool, Man City, Man United, and Chester. <laughs> Banter, debate, and the odd good point too. Right here on Matchday FM. So that brings us on nicely to the bottom of the table, having discussed the uh, the top of the table so far on the episode. Um, and Chris, it is very, very interesting down there, isn't it? And the one really that caught my eye over the weekend was the game on Monday night, the one that round off the weekend's action with uh, Tottenham 5, Everton 0. It's a very interesting scenario, isn't it? Because... Frank Lampard's come in. At Goodison Park, they look very, very good in terms of the, the, the feelings better. There's definitely more backing of the team. But on the road, Everton actually have the worst away record in the entire league this season, just six points from 13 games. And it's very interesting because I, I have listened to Frank Lampard's comments post-game. And you get a lot of managers that maybe hide their emotions a little bit, hide what they're thinking a little bit bit as well but he is honest and I think he appreciates the job that he has for the rest of the season and the thing is for Frank Lampard he has commented a few times on the mindset certainly whenever conceding late or sorry whenever to conceding early goals in games how big a concern how big a concern should Everton fans have after that game if they're bearing in mind there would have been concerns before it anyway but how big how big would the concerns be after that game do you feel they're going to be huge, I think. Um, they just look so vulnerable. Um, I mean, we know Spurs, like I said earlier, have a great forward line and can score goals. Um, but they didn't really have to work to score the goals. You know, Michael Keane sticks one in his own net. Um, Pickford's got to save the second one. Um, and yeah, they're just too old, too, too easy to get at. Um, and there's just a general lack of confidence, isn't there, across the team? 
the back line is it's just not performing and it's I mean on paper it's it's an okay back line at best, really. I think you know the goalkeeper is the best of, of that defensive unit that's currently fit and available, shall we say? Because um, I know they are missing a couple who are better. Yeah, oh, they're, they're, they're Everton are missing their two best centre halves, effectively, yeah. in Ben Godfrey and Yerry Mina. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and that that is showing. Um, but they're not getting any protection from the midfield either, which is a concern as well for them. Um, and I just wonder as well whether they've got the characters in that side to get them out of this. Because it's, it, let's face it, it's brand new to all, every single one of them. They are not relegation um, scrappers, that squad. Um, I think, you know, Pickford's probably been been there with Sunderland, but that was sort of expected and he was only a young kid at the time. Um, Charleston might have had that season with Watford, but that could easily have been the season Watford did all right. I don't, I can't, I can't remember to be fair. Trying to think. So that, that he joined, well, he joined Everton in uh, in 2018, didn't he? So uh, was that trying, the year <laughs> Watford made the cup final? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It was it was 2018-19. Watford made the cup final, and that was obviously uh, yeah, the season they yeah. finished quite quite comfortable. So therefore, he, again, he's not another. He's another one who doesn't have that experience of a relegation fight. Uh, Donny van der Beek has made it perfectly clear he's not up for a relegation fight. Um, Deli Ali doesn't strike me as that sort of character. Um, Alan and Decore, they they do strike me as scrappers, but they've not really been scrapping um, of late. And I think they, they're just Decore too nice. Did, yeah. Decore did taste relegation with Watford as well in uh, in, in, in 2020. Um, I just think they're too nice. Yeah, Yeah, I I just think they're just far too nice. And that's a bad sign when you're down there because the nice guys finish last in those situations. And I think that's why if if you were to choose now between Burnley and Everton, even though Burnley have played less games and are below Everton, I just think Burnley have the mentality to get out of it. Everton don't. I was going to ask, actually, um, sorry, I was going to ask Stotty just because we talked about Arsenal having games in hand on United and West Ham at the top end of the table. And is it a different scenario when you have games in hand at the bottom of the table like Everton do? Because at the top of the table, you, you sit there and you expect Arsenal maybe to to win maybe two two of the three or potentially all three of, of the games in hand. Um, but for Everton, even though they have games in hand down there, obviously the lower down you are, yes, You'd rather have points on the board, but maybe games in hand lower down the table aren't as much guarantees. I think they come with a different type of pressure because you know if you don't win it, you've not extended that gap and they're still only just over your shoulder. Whereas at the top, maybe there's a, a little little bit less pressure um, because you feel like you're going to get another go. You might not get another go in a relegation battle. Um, and... Yeah, I, th- I think it comes down to the mentality of the team again, though. Um, and as well, like, because they've got the, still got the games to play um, and they're still in the FA Cup as well, these games are mounting up. And they've still got about three or four games to get rearranged. Yeah, and it's just going to keep mounting and that sort of constant turnarounds. And if they keep picking up injuries, then it gets into a vicious cycle. Whereas, like, Arsenal, for example, don't have the FA Cup. So, 
you know, their schedule is going to be easier. I'm just looking, they've got Everton this week to play Sunday, Thursday, Sunday um, across League and Cup. All three are tough, tough ask because they're playing a Wolves side on Sunday who are going well, um, still have a shout of, of Europe. Um, and with it being at home, if they concede early, the crowd's on them. Then they're well, playing the, the, Newcastle. Yeah, the, the two league games are good at St. Park this week. Yeah. Newcastle, yeah, the Newcastle one. I mean, Newcastle are flying. I mean, we're going to come on to a wider relegation talk shortly. Don't even bother bringing Newcastle up. They're safe for me. Uh, yeah. That one win, one win does it for them. They've got a couple of games in hand. And I'll say it now, genuinely don't see Newcastle dropping too many points, especially at home, even against big boys. Um, And on arcing back to the title... When you when Liverpool go there, that's one of that's other than City, that's probably going to be one of the toughest ones. Thanks for that. New, Newcastle are a different beast right now. So no, they they are they are, they are. Everton yeah. against Newcastle. That, that's a really tough tough game for for Everton. And then they got the FA Cup. I mean, right now I think um, Everton are in pole position to do a Wigan and win the cup and go down, but. So that yeah. would that would be extraordinary. Yeah. I, I thought off the top of my head as well. Last season, um, when pretty much the entire campaign was played behind closed doors, Everton's away record was staggering, which kind of makes this one a little bit stranger. Of course, you have got to take into account um, you know, the, the time under Benitez when it, they started so well, and then. Fell away because you know they, they've got um, six, got six wins on the board, and four of them came in August and September. So that just shows that since that period, how how badly it's, it's been for Everton. Yeah, those season just stopped, didn't it? Really, um, and then like when you look at the running without having everybody's up um, simultaneously, Everton's running looks horrendous. You know, like I said, they they got. Tricky home games against Wolves and Newcastle, away to West Ham, playing Manchester United, which probably at the minute looks like the one they might win. Got to go to Anfield, got to play Chelsea, Leicester away, Brentford, which, I mean, second to last game, Everton-Brentford could be mammoth, depending on how Brentford go. Obviously, they got a big win at the weekend. And then it's Arsenal away, last game of the season. Could be top four relegation heavy that one. I mean, that could be your prime TV one, other than the um, the Liverpool and City game. So, obviously, like I said there's a few more to add in in there. But yeah, I, I think it's looking ominous. It's I, I I just thought obviously they've been in it a few weeks now. I just thought the luck would turn on the evidence of the last game and the last couple, I don't know if it will and whether we'll see them go on a run of, like Newcastle, obviously Newcastle won one and have gone on a run. I don't see Everton doing it. So... It, it, it'll be big for Everton as well when Dominic Carver-Lewin gets back to full fitness because yeah, we started the season with three and three and he has struggled since his injury. He just out for so long as well. I think once him and Richarlison... Hit firing again, along with Anthony Gordon, because Anthony Gordon was the, was the shining light at Tottenham in a poor display. Um, 
when you look at the rest of the league uh, or the rest of the, the relegation fight as well, of course, I, I, I agree with you. Newcastle have won five of the last six. Uh, so I think we'll we'll discount them from this conversation. Um, but it's it looks like it's a big weekend, doesn't it? Because you've got Brentford versus Burnley and Leeds versus Norwich. Um, from an Everton perspective, Brentford and are Brentford and Leeds wins the best, the the main thing to hope for, in that it keeps Burnley and Norwich in the bottom three. Yeah, I think that would probably be best for them. Um, but then again, if the results go the other way, it's another team who's closer to you to to catch. But then again, behind you's tighter, and they'd actually go behind. Um, Burnley, if they, if Burnley better, um, Everton's result. Um, is is it looking tighter than you anticipated? Yes and no. I think at the start of the season, I thought there there was a group of sides who who could be down there, but to be fair, I think it was most four or five. Um, and like I think, like I said, I think Newcastle have have pulled away um, now. And like I said, I think they're one at most two wins away from, from probably doing it um, because they're seven points clear of Burnley. I don't really see Burnley getting seven more points between now and the end of the season more than Newcastle. Um, and then obviously they've got the buffer of an extra couple of points to Watford and Norwich. So um, Brentford's in the awkward situation of having played more games than everybody else. Yeah, so that, that that win against Norwich was huge. Yeah, absolutely exactly. huge. If that goes the other way, then I'd have worried more for Brentford. But the yeah. fact that they've got a little bit of a buffer means that if the other sides catch up and haven't got the results, then Brentford are in a very good position. But it's if they win those games um, in hand and that gap narrows, then Brentford probably don't have the quality of some of the other sides. But team spirit and the mentality might be what's key for them. Uh, possibly the introduction of Christian Eriksen is, is big because I thought he was fantastic against um, against Norwich. Showed so many touches of quality. Um, and, you know, Tony got got the hat-trick as well. So he's back scoring goals, which is good for them as well. Um, so I think they're very much counting on the others to drop points in the games that they've got to catch up on. If they do, then Brentford will be in a, a good position. And again, I think I think realistically 35 points might keep you up. Um, yeah, I, I, I was discussing that with, uh, with Joey a few episodes back in that. It, it, it's like when last season, I think um, I, w- I was talking to you about when we talked about the, the title race, Liverpool City, when, when City went to Liverpool and won 4-1. Um, it was at that point where I said it was already over because the amount of points that each team can reach. Now, as you say, 35 points, I think I, I, I'd i be surprised if that didn't keep a team up this season. I certainly don't see Norwich reaching it. At a push, I can see Watford reaching it, although I think I think Watford can reach 30. 35 is another issue. 35, I think, should be enough. But it, it, it's whether the, it's it's how many teams you can see reaching that total. Yeah, because both ultimately the maximum Norwich can get is another 33 on top of what they get, so 50. 
they could <laughs> they could only lose fifteen points to sort of uh, so, yeah give them a so, shout. So, sorry, Norwich fans, from a howl of laughter there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that isn't happening. So I, so realistically, I think when you when you think as well, well beyond halfway through the season, I think a good barometer would be to double what you've got would be yeah. the maximum what you would sort of anticipate getting. Yeah. Um, so purely on that basis, Norwich only get 34. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. to me, and if, you know, we go for the age, age old 40 points guarantees you, um, then straight away you're discounting two teams in the, yeah. in the bottom two and Burnley only just scraped to that. And that, and it, and that sort of points tally is winning every other game, mm-hmm. and I don't really see any of those doing it unless they go on a run like Newcastle. That's what's the the difference is Newcastle put that run together. Even if, if teams can do that over the next four or five games, then yeah, fair play. They, they've got a shout whoever they are, but I just don't I don't think any of them will do it. I always thought Newcastle would. I really did. Um, I just maybe Everton will once they get one or two and they get everybody back. But I still think that's a big if. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a it's a situation that's going to change week to week. I'll probably say something completely different as well next time I'm on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One very quick little nugget, just because you, you know you see some stats that absolutely blow your mind. Did you know that since Joe Linton started his first game in central midfield away to Liverpool, no midfielders won more tackles? In the, no player playing in midfield has won more tackles, because I should say, considering he's played up front ever since he joined Newcastle. But that is, um, if that's something Eddie Howe has just thought of before you know, if, if, if he's noticed it since he's come in brilliant if it's something that he thought of prior to coming in pure genius I mean that, that 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 is remarkable I mean what you would say is obviously they spent was it 40 million quids on him but he signed million, as a striker yeah. yeah if you paid that for him now it's a bargain he's worth in the, jo- the job he's doing it's, it's, oh, it's worth, he's worth every penny of that I mean he's been I've been lucky enough to be able to watch a lot of Newcastle this season. And in midfield, the man has been absolutely outstanding. And obviously, you know, people will still laugh and be like, oh, yeah, he, he was bloody awful beforehand. But seriously, watch him. He, he's covered every blade of grass. He can play. He's, he's not a bad footballer. He can pass a ball. He, can, he makes runs into the box. He can, you know, do a job going the other way as well. He's like you said with those stats, he's been he's been absolutely fantastic. And I think as well, um just I would special mention to Dan Byrne as well. Um yeah, he's been brilliant. Seriously, the, the recruitment of Newcastle, I think we all sort of You said, you called it to be fair with Dan Byrne, you called it. Yeah. I I think he's a really good centre half, and I think he was set, sort of centre half they needed they didn't need to go and get a a 30, 40 million quid centre-half who'd never kicked a ball in the Premier League. They needed somebody who's been there and done it over here. And he's been fantastic. Uh, Fabian Scher's really stepped up as well. He looks um, like he, like the player we, th- we thought he was because I've always sort of rated him. I thought he was a, he was a good player. Um, and this, 
let's face it, every single signing that they've made has, has worked. I think Chris Woods just needs to a- score Apart some from goals. the main one, they can't get in the team. <laughs> uh, apart from Gute Bruno Gimbrecht, you can't get in the team at the I moment. Mean, yeah, I, I think he... I don't it's think he's fa- been fully fit, but I mean, to be fair, <laughs> the way Joel Linton and Willick are playing. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I was listening to a podcast with Kieran Trippi and they were saying, you can't, you can't drop Willick, you can't drop Joel Linton, you can't drop Shelby. Because they're all playing yeah. so well, and the, it's the, a great the, situation to be in. <laughs> the one last, one last thing on Joel Linton, I didn't the literally um, because of, you you know me how much I absorb pretty much any game. The one game I, I know I, it's shocking that I was actually socialising on this occasion, but um, Newcastle versus United. I went on Twitter after the game and I saw Joel Linton trending. So with all due respect to the guy, I'm, I'm thinking, right, okay, that there was a poor miss or something that, that cost Newcastle the win. The guy won it, and I'm seeing everybody call him man of the match, like one of the best midfield displays I've seen this season. And I'm like, what? what it, it, this is incredible. So it, ju- it just shows, obviously, for, for players that if it's not working out in one position, by all means, it's not, it's not the end. You, you can find it. You, know, you can work yourself in, into a new position and, and, and do very well. Um, at the risk of, you know, I know, I know, every you know, the relegation situation could change every week, couldn't it? But um, as you say, just going back to this weekend for um, for the teams. So it's it's Brentford, Burnley, as we said, Leeds, Norwich, Southampton, Watford, just uh, associating the games down there, um, and then Everton have got two home games against Wolves and Newcastle. It just feels. Potentially not you know, maybe decisive is a bit a bit strong with, with two months to go, but it feels like it could be a significant weekend or the potential to be a significant weekend. Yeah, I, I think you're you're right there. I'm just sort of trying to work it out in my head. It could to, take a while. <laughs> we yeah, haven't got all day. I mean, because if for example, Burnley win, Leeds beat Norwich, and Everton get the two wins. I think Norwich are gone, mm-hmm. realistically, because they'll be, what, uh, they're already five adrift. Uh, they would be, they'd be seven shy of Burn- Burnley if all three of those sides won and shifted up their points. So I think Norwich simply have to win and hope results go the way, because I, I then don't see them, like I said earlier, gaining seven points on, on enough teams. Um, Watford can live to fight another week for me if they drop points at Southampton. But, yeah, a week. If, like I said, those results that I've just said go that way. If all the other teams lose and say Norwich win, then roll on Norwich because they'll be in a great position. They'll be the ones looking to um, to get out of it all of a sudden. So, it's fascinating. It's Literally every week, this, the order seems to shift. There's a gap opens up or it tightens, and you just you just don't know what's going to happen with it. It's, it's intriguing, um, and obviously we've seen Brentford sort of drop down into it and then just prop themselves back up again. Managerial changes, some have worked, some haven't. Yeah, I, I think it, it's really intriguing, and hopefully, as again as a as a neutral. I'd love for it to go to the final day where we've got a relegation and a title um, and even the top four, potentially. I think that one will be the first to go, though. I think the top four race, I don't see going to the last day of the season now because of the position of Arsenal. 
where it's a title and the relegation. Yeah, I think that could be a last kick job. You're listening to the Matchday FM podcast. Why not let us know what you think? Get in touch by searching for Matchday FM on social media. And we'll finish this episode of Prem Talk as we do each week with our weekly awards. Um, let's go with, because I like leaving goal, I like leaving goal of the week to last. Um, Stotty, I'll ask you for your, your team of the week. There's a few, I, I was just thinking, I, I, I was thinking about the options out there. Actually are a few options for different reasons this week, aren't there? But who, who have you gone for your, for your team of the week? Yeah, I think there's quite a few options. Um, obviously, Aston Villa put in a great performance against Southampton. I didn't see that one coming, to be honest, um, because I, I thought that they were one of those that if they didn't get a win soon, <laughs> might just have to it, worry yourself it was, a little bit. It, it was four, but it genuinely could have been double that. Yeah, and I think as well, you've got to say Southampton have been outstanding of late. So that's which, a. Which um, is what made it so surprising. Yeah. And then obviously, you've got Spurs winning 5 0. Um, which obviously, if you win five nil most week, you probably would get this sort of award. Um, another good win for Newcastle. Had to play a different type of way, but I'm going to go for Brentford because they needed that. Really needed that. It was a massive, massive game, um, and they controlled it. They they were far better. Um, so I'll go for Brentford for the team. And I am going to go for Aston Villa, um, just because I I could I never saw that result coming. And when you see the um, the highlights, it, it reminded me, you know, with uh, when they beat Liverpool seven two a couple of years ago. That genuinely, you'll, there'll be Villa fans to this day annoyed that that wasn't double figures. <laughs> for Villa fans watching this, it, it genuinely it was just yes, it was very out of character for Southampton, but the way the way Aston Villa approached it, having not been in great form despite the win at Brighton previously, it was just a very it was emphatic from from Steven Gerrard's side. It really was, and uh, you know we've we've seen a reborn Felipe Coutinho as well. Um, Chris, your player of the week, Coutinho would be in the mix. I thought he was incredible. Um, I mean. He should have scored four. That's what I say. The fact <laughs> yeah. he only scored one was um, was a, a fluke, to be honest. Um, Tony's got to be in the conversation because he scored a hat trick. Granted, two were penalties, but I mean, as a penalty taker, I think I don't think I've uh, seen many better than than him. Oh, outstanding penalties! Um, thought Saka was brilliant for Arsenal, as was Odegaard. Um, De Bruyne for City. There's a lot. There's a lot. Um, there really are. I would probably ask to go Coutinho because I thought he was back to his best and just looked really, really accomplished in what he was doing. I think if he'd have scored more goals, I think he'd have been an easier one. But I think the fact that he was seemingly involved in everything in um, a very good Villa performance, and since I didn't give them the team, they can have the player of Coutinho. I just think it's it's great to see Coutinho playing for a manager that has faith in him. Ultimately, mm-hmm. Gerard knows what Coutinho is all about. Um, had a great time with Coutinho at Liverpool, and he knows that he, he knows that the Coutinho that we've seen in the last few years playing for Barcelona isn't the Coutinho that we know. He, he had a decent enough spell at Bayern Munich. Obviously, wasn't enough to make it permanent there. Um, won the Champions League with them, of course, but. He's, he's seeing a proper Felipe Coutinho now, but um, another player you mentioned, Ivan Tony. I just think a hat trick in such a game, in such a game like that, 
with Brentford having been on such a poor winless run, I think I think I think it's worthy of uh, of, of that kind of uh, of that title for for the week. Um, your manager of the week, and again, there's uh, plenty op- plenty of options uh, I think out there. What are you thinking? Uh, Arteta for his assist would be in the conversation. Oh. What, 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 why were people moaning about that? What, why was there any debate about that? I think he might have just come out with his technical area to get it. Is that okay? I was going to say, because the ball had definitely gone out. But Yeah, I mean, who cares? <laughs> Seriously, come on. He'd have picked it up. The game, yeah. it'd have been just as quick for whoever took the throw in to take, pick the ball up and, do, and take the throw yeah. in a second. Wow, come on, lads, calm down. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think, I, I mean, obviously he's... He's got Arsenal into a great position, so Arteta would be in the conversation. Um, Gerard deserves credit for um, that Villa performance, but I'm going to go Eddie Howe because this run Newcastle are on, I've said a couple of times, he's just fantastic. They're a completely different team. If the season started when he took over, Yeah. I mean, even yeah. without the big investment, that they'd be knocking on the door. It's uh, certainly top ten. Um, and he's up I for mean, February manager. He's up for February manager of the month yeah. as well. I mean, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that um, Newcastle could get in the top ten. They're only five points behind um, Palace with the game in hand. And I tell you now, if he does that, Eddie Howe should be given the manager of the season, even though he's not had an entire season. The job he will have done to do that is just ridiculous because. Um, what you would say in, in an award like that, I always look at have they done more than they were expected? Klopp and Guardiola should never get it because let's face it, they finish outside the top two, they failed. So, um, Arteta would be one who would be up there, but Eddie Howe would be, have to be in the conversation if he gets them anywhere near the top 10. Um, but yeah, for a short term, he's my manager of the week for sure. Prem talk, the home of big shouts. That would be <laughs> that is a big, big shout. But no, you you are more than entitled to your opinion, Sotty. Uh, I'm going to go for uh, I'm going to go for Arteta then for the for the assist. I think if, you, if you're going to go Eddie, how I'll go uh, Mikel Arteta. And um, for goal of week uh, for goal of the week, we we really were spoiled, weren't we? There were many, many to choose from. Uh, and again, I'll uh, I'll hand the floor to you for for your goal of the week. Well. I think it's only right that we pick it from the Watford Arsenal game because that was just a mini goal of the month competition. It was, yeah, it, it was. It was ridiculous. There wasn't a bad goal. Even the um, the Sissoko one is a is a good goal. The other four were brilliant. Um, and it's it's purely whether you want a team goal or an individual brilliance. Yeah, and it is. if you got team goal, it's any of the Arsenal ones, isn't it? Really, but I just loved the Martinelli one. The quick pass, obviously, you know, they've got the assist from the manager. All one touch. The little, just the layoff where, like I said, just opens his body up and just cushions it. Martinelli whips it in. Um, I would go the Martinelli goal for Arsenal as my goal of the week. But Kuko Hernandez, special mention. That was outstanding. (laughs) (laughs) It really was. Um, Oh, there are some lovely ones to choose from. The 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 Saka one. It's really taught me a lesson to not let double game weeks on fantasy football distract me, because criminally he is my third sub, and oh. I, I put when 
well, because you can't wildcard a bench boost on the same week. So I had I had Saka there, and literally he was on my bench. I'm just deciding my team for the deadline. He was on my bench, and I said to myself, I know I'm going to kick myself here because I know he's going to score against Watford. But of course, I let the double game weeks distract me. There's, you know, there are like I, I love Watkins. Watkins' goal against Southampton. Reese James's goal against Burnley was very good. There were several good ones throughout the game week, but um, I think the one, the reason why I loved Sackers so much, as much as it killed me inside, was just that is him as a player. The the pressing to win the ball back, the quick interchange, and the first time finish. And as you said earlier on, when we just when we were discussing um, you know, about, about after the Euros final. Saka's reaction from that, from missing the biggest kick of a ball in his life, has been exceptional. It really has. He is a wonderful, wonderful player um, and will have many better times in England shirt as well. Um, so it feels strange we're missing out bicycle kick. But Absolutely. We I, didn't I, even yeah. mention, I, I know we mentioned it earlier, but Mares, um, I think, Mares. I think we, we talked ourselves out of that by the fact that it was a floated ball. And it should have been yeah, dealt with. Yeah, Kane's volley as well. I'm, I'm going to put that out oh, there. Oh, yeah, well, to but, be yeah. fair. Oh, I forgot about that one because that was very. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be fair, I always judged that one against Van Persie's against Villa for United. Okay. Yeah. 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 There is no it, comparison. It yeah. like the, any technique could, it was brilliant technique, brilliantly executed goal, but he's never going to be as good as that one. So he's never going to no. be in the no. conversation. So no, you're right. You're right. Um, so, but Kyosaka wins mine. And uh, yes, that's uh, that's it for this episode of Prem Talk for this week. Thank you very much for that, Chris. That was a, that was a brilliant episode. Got so much covered then, and we'll we'll be back, of course, to discuss all the latest goings on in the Premier League before too long. I've been Chris Coughlin. He's been Chris Stott, and you've been listening to Prem Talk from Matchday FM. <laughs>